The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Creepers, welcome back to another episode of How Bizarre. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Chavez, joined as always by my lovely wife, Erin Chavez. Erin, you are beside yourself. You cannot contain your excitement in about an hour, a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if over I'm sitting up hour. here right now. I should be watching pregame <laughs> and stuff. Like, this is insanity. A little bit over an hour, your Buffalo Bills, the football team that you have been a fan of since you were a little girl are about to play for a chance at the AFC title and go into the well, Super they Bowl. They are playing for the AFC title. They're yeah, a chance, a right? chance at the title. Yes, yes. And then going into the oh Super God, Bowl. Oh, God, I feel like I'm going to vomit. <laughs> are you going to be able to pay attention to I'm going to do my best. I'm not going to promise miracles here. <laughs> <laughs> my mind is on other things right now. So I'm going to like be in the middle of something, and by the time I'm finally done telling you the story, you're going to be like, like, wait, what? What, what did you say? <laughs> Can you start over? That's <laughs> a chance. I'm not rolling it up. I'm going to do my best. Oh, man. Uh, so, Creepers, yes, thanks for joining us. We are doing our How Bizarre series today. Uh, if you're new to the show, How Bizarre, we focus on strange disappearances, unexplained, unsolved disappearances. Uh we each come with a show once – this is how we started doing it. You come with one. I come with one. We tell stories. We, you know – we talk about what our theories are on what happened, and we go from there. So, I have a story for you today. Wait, before we get into that, Ooh, okay. we do have to give the creepers an update on our current creep from last time. Not just do that. Do you remember what it was? What was it? The missing Kiki. No, I think we did, didn't we? We did not give an update, no. We haven't given an update. We haven't no. been back since? No, I don't think so. Oh my god. You better give them an update. So... For those of you that, you know, maybe don't remember or don't tuned, care, tuned me out because it's insanity, I lost a little scrap of my blankie that I sleep with every night. I did the laundry with the sheets, put the blanket in the pillowcase. I call it blanket. It's like a little tiny square <laughs> in the pillowcase to wash. When it came out of the dryer, it was nowhere to be found. We checked everything. Chris can relate because he was checking everything with me. We looked everywhere. I did laundry over the weekend thinking maybe it would pop back up. It did not until about four days later. All of a sudden, it was in the washing machine. No idea where it was for those four days, but you can all rest easy now and know that Kiki is back where she belongs. <laughs> did we say the name on the show? I can't I remember so. if I we said know. that your little blanket. I didn't call it Kiki when I was growing up. I used to call it my blanket, but my older i have much older siblings who made fun of me and they're the ones that named it kiki and then that stuff <laughs> okay so everybody can rest assured that kiki is nice and Kiki's safe fine. she's never going to be washed again enough so she'll start to smell really bad very soon <laughs> but now now we're jumping into a story okay this right. is an unexplained disappearance and it's an unsolved disappearance here we go I'm ready I'm on the app all right you ready yeah on the afternoon of July 16, 1996, 36-year-old single mother Susan Walsh needed to make a phone call. 
Living on the second floor of a split-level home in Nutley, New Jersey, Susan did not own a phone. What year is this? 96. Okay, thank you. Almost all of the money she earned as a dancer went to the rent, utilities, and the care of her 11-year-old son. So on this afternoon, Susan brought her son down to the first level of the split-level home where her estranged husband lived. Though separated, the two had a living arrangement that allowed for them to raise their son together. Normally, when she needed to make a phone call, her ex-husband Mark would let her use his phone, unless it was to call her drug dealer or a booking agent. He did not approve of her lifestyle, and if she was going to continue dancing and doing the drugs, doing the drugs, doing drugs, (laughs) she would have to use the payphone halfway down the block. So Susan dropped off her son, told Mark she'd make a few calls, and that she would be back soon. Susan Walsh walked away from the home and was never heard or seen again. Mm. Ready? Yes. Here we go. Born Susan Young on February 18th, 1960, Ooh, my wow. birthday. Your birthday. Not the actual year, but yeah, yeah. the date. He's that old, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Walsh exhibited a uh, so born Susan Young, Walsh exhibited a passion for writing and poetry at an early age. Though she had a troubled childhood and had to deal with a broken home, she continued to pursue her interests in writing through high school and into college. While attending William Patterson College as an English major, she began writing for the school paper, The Beacon. Here, she quickly earned the respect of her peers as she showcased her talent for the written word. It was also at this time that she began dancing at gentlemen's clubs and go-go bars to pay her way through school. She met Mark Walsh while at school, and the two married in 1984. She continued to dance and would end up being the main source of income for the newlyweds. Oh, so he doesn't like it, but he lived off of it. Well, maybe he didn't like it after the Who knows, right? We just know later on. So soon, Susan began to struggle with substance abuse and alcoholism. She would eventually get clean in 1985 after the birth of her son, uh, David. Susan earned her bachelor's degree in 1988 and began writing articles for a handful of magazines, one of which was a publication called Screw, was an adult magazine. Susan and Mark eventually separated and needing to support her son, she returned to dancing. This led her to her next employment opportunity. In 1994, Susan began writing for the Village Voice in Greenwich Village. She wanted to write about her experiences as a dancer and life in the sex industry. She began interviewing other women and ended up uncovering something she'd only heard rumors of. Apparently, the Russian mob in New Jersey was forcing young Russian women into the sex industry. Her writings garnered uh, rave reviews but angered some very dangerous people and she began receiving death, death threats. She did not let that dissuade her as she took her role as a journal, journalist extremely serious. Uh, having read her expose in the village voice, author James Ridgway reached out to Susan to request her help with a book he was writing, focusing on the sex industry. She became the primary researcher for the project, using her knowledge and contacts to gain access to the side of the industry that few have seen. During this time, she began working on her next series of articles for the village voice. In the early nineties, vampire clubs began popping up all around Greenwich village Soon, uh, Susan was fascinated by these clubs and the people who patronized them. She even began dating a self, self-proclaimed vampire who drank blood, quote-unquote. Uh, when she submitted her writings to the Village Voice, they declined to publish them. 
Uh, I I didn't see why it said, but it just said that they declined to publish it. Susan was upset by this, but she would not let it deter her. She continued to write and assist James Ridgway with his book. In June of 1996, the book Red Light, Inside the Sex Industry by James Ridgway and Sylvia Plackey was published. Susan attended a signing as well as the release party. James was immediately concerned when he saw her. Later, he would state that he noticed her wrists were bandaged and she seemed distant. Through conversation, he learned she was taking Xanax and had begun drinking again, as well as dancing. She brushed off his concerns, stating she'd get help when she needed it. This was June of 96. So that's a month, right? So in the same month before she vanished, uh, vanished, Susan began participating in a documentary produced by an old friend from her go-go dancing days. Jill Morley's documentary, Stripped, was a film that looked at the women in the sex industry. There is actual footage recorded two days before she disappeared in which Susan discusses the toll that dancing had taken on her physical and mental health. She blames the industry for her relapse into alcohol as well. At that moment, her pager goes off and she says, quote, it's probably my stalker. Yeah, I have a stalker. So on the day that she disappears, a friend of her tries to page her throughout the day with no response. That evening, one of her friends uh, that takes her to work arrives to pick her up and waits for an hour before leaving. The next day, Mark reports her missing. Was it Mark didn't come out during that hour the friend's waiting? To be like, we haven't seen her. Maybe they. Maybe that's not the the, the thing. And you know already that he probably has this issue yeah. with that, you know, so probably doesn't even bother. So when the police get involved, they end up, you know, searching the house and looking through stuff. And they find her purse, her ID, her money, and her pager all left behind at the at her apartment. Um, they start investigating Mark's involvement, and he's he ends up being cleared as a suspect. Um, they start talking to different people and they find that there's a lot of different sightings throughout the day where people said that they saw her in Manhattan. Um, they, they saw her kind of like she was out of it. There was a pizza place across from where the, the phone booth is in mm-hmm. New Jersey, just half a block down from her place who said, and there was a pizza guy there who said that he saw her on the phone, hang up the phone and head back towards her building. Um, there were a few prostitutes that had come out saying that they had seen her on the streets and yeah, that's all I have here. Uh, but there have been sightings of her that people say they have seen her. So they think that maybe she had been nabbed. So this is the story of Susan Walsh. With all of that little kind of backstory, the, the vampire clubs, the Russian mob, the fact that she was having some mental health so issues. Else no one's ever seen from this her is again. it. There's no other report. That's it. Nothing? Here's a weird thing. In 2006, the, the, the police decided to reopen the case because when they decided to start going through some of the old old evidence they had, they realized that they had grabbed the calendar, one of her calendars off the wall to see about her, you know, mm-hmm. her contacts because she wrote everything. She kept everything on the calendar. What days she was dancing, what days she was doing this, where she had to go for here and there. And they noticed the month she went missing, July, was missing from the calendar. So the case was reopened in 2006 during that. But since then, nothing, not a word. You know, there's people who, so there's friends of hers who think that she met with foul play, that maybe she got back to the house and Mark was tired of her, you know, 
doing this, that they have a son. I don't know what that means. I know. I don't know. I don't know. It's not really much information in that regard. You know what I want to start doing? Because I've heard some other, uh, like, true crime podcasts do this, is they request the information, the police reports, the police investigation reports, because it's all, uh, what do you call it, the... um, Freedom of Information Act. Act. You just file for it, and at some point they'll send it to you. And some, I think, some of these I kind of want to see, you know, what other information there is because it was so. There's, there is a bunch of different articles about this. There's, I've used three different article sources. I I used also Wikipedia as kind of a guide in the timeline, and I used there's um, and I watched Unsolved Mysteries has a a segment for it. I watched that, and I watched an episode of Disappeared that they did about her. I don't remember the story. I don't think we ever saw it. So it'll be kind of cool. I'd like to watch it with you again to see what you think now after you hear this. But so there's people who think that something happened there. There's people who think she was dealing with, you know, behavioral health issues, mental health issues. She was at a point where she was just she was done, you know, and that she dropped her son off and went off to go kill herself somewhere. Some people think she got in touch with her drug dealers, went off somewhere, OD'd. And these people, if they find there's a body that's OD'd, they go dump it somewhere. But, right. you know, a lot of the, some of the police don't believe that's the case because the body hasn't shown up. Right. Um, but that's it. So let me ask you something. Of all those things, right, you start hearing about the Russian mob involvement. You also hear about this whole vampires, weird kind of – and that's the thing. When she wrote that, there was people in that kind of world, right, who took it very seriously. To them, they were. They weren't trying to be out in the news. They were unhappy with her doing this. Did they look up – like did the police – I guess you probably don't know. Otherwise, you would have said it. But did they investigate her vampire boyfriend? They looked into a lot of some of those things and they found out that there were a lot – so because she was a dancer – um, there were a lot of restraining orders that she had to place because of her customers thinking mm. that they were, you know, more than that. Um, there were some people who actually assaulted her that she had to, you know, um, there was domestic abuse with an ex-boyfriend. And I, I, I don't know who it's, who it was with. Yeah. Cause uh, it's always the suspect is always the husband or the boyfriend. And she's yeah. currently dating. So if they cleared the husband, she was currently, currently dating, dating a guy as well. And they, they no, that wasn't who he was oh, dating at the time. No. It was a different guy oh, okay. and they cleared this guy as well. Okay. Yeah. I should have said that at the beginning that upstairs she was staying like this guy would come and stay with her once okay. in a while. And okay. he was cleared as well. Um, that he was actually with her the morning she left, the afternoon she left, but he was upstairs sleeping. When he got up, she wasn't home yet, so he just got ready and went off and did his day. Um, but yeah, so there's that's it though. There's nothing else. Um, uh, here's a little crazy little piece of trivia: Mark Walsh, Eagles Joe Walsh brother. Really? Joe Walsh's brother. That's her brother-in-law. Oh my gosh, that's crazy! Right. I know. I was like, wait a second. What? Um, wow. But yeah. So what do you think could be? It, I, what are the, So of all the things you've been given, what are the main things that you see could be possibilities? Possibility one. Number one, it's a, a, her stalker or some other customer. So nefarious, nefarious. I think it's nefarious, nefarious either anyway. All I of don't them. see You don't think she it. decided, no. let me move, get out of here no. and try to start somewhere else? No, not at least in what you present. There's absolutely okay. no evidence of that at all. Okay. Sometimes that's a thing though. You yeah, know, people yeah. have no, to, you know, have to wonder. Or suicide. Like, yeah, she was messed up on drugs and stuff, but it doesn't sound like she was... Okay. Anywhere near that. So you think maybe a stalker, stalker. And, you know, she came to an un, uh, you know untimely demise. Yes. Okay. And the second would be the, this mob connection or the vampire connection, like something else. She dug up something. In now, the in the mob, do you think they kill her or do they snatch her and force her into it as well now? Like yeah, she's a part of that life. Knows. Sex trafficking, right? I would assume right? kill her because she's too, she's too clever now. 
So at no that time, so at that time, remember, like you're talking early '90s. Like you're not. I don't think sex trafficking was a big thing at that time. I mean, I mean we knew about it, right? But it wasn't as well known as right. it is now. It wasn't sure. so like people being so aware of it. So the fact that she was uncovering this for the Village Voice, which is a very, very popular publication in, in Manhattan and in mm-hmm. New York, um, you know, it's it was a big deal, and and. Yeah, you know, she had to start, you know, she would she would say to friends that she really felt like people were following her. At some point, somebody was going to get her. Yeah. But then you hear from the writer that sees her at this thing that she had started drinking again, was on Xanax. She's got her her, her wrists uh, bandaged up because she started cutting her wrists. Um, you, uh, you know what I mean? Like, what's that then? Maybe she's getting to a point where she went off and committed suicide. I don't think so. I mean, how do you commit suicide without your body being found? I've had clients that have wanted to do that and has really have really brainstormed that, and it's really really something that can happen. Your body will be found, and I just feel like if she at some point at some point, but this is like what twenty five years now. Mm, we, there's been longer, but then people find remains. Yeah, you know? I know, but really, and if she's out of it on Xanax and drinking, she's not thinking clear enough to really go hide her body somewhere before she kills herself. Like huh. I just don't see that. I think if she was going to kill herself, she would have just done that at home or a hotel room. Or what do you think home. about the overdose thing? The overdose in the presence of people that like the drug dealers she didn't and stuff. Have her wallet. She didn't have her car. She would have brought her pager and she would have brought money. So I don't true. see that happening. You don't get an overdose for free. True. That's a true statement. Yeah. Unless she just didn't bring all her money. Maybe she had some money with her. But I still feel like she would have brought her pager, especially having an 11-year-old son. Maybe the whole point was just to pick it up there and go back, and they snatched her. Yeah. No, huh? They made her overdose. You think, the mob, you think the mob was watching her? I think or, it was all the, the ex? Sure. I don't think it was an overdoser. Oof. Yeah, it's... um. When I was I, I was watching this, There's there it is. It's a lot, man. You know, she's dealing with... Doing this kind of so one of the things they said uh, in when they there was actual video of her at the the book signing too right and they there's somebody's interviewing her and she's saying something along the lines of you know in, initially she got into dancing to support herself going through school but she became so fascinated with that world that she just couldn't get away like no matter what she found herself coming back to it so even at the time when she's trying to be taken seriously as a journalist or a writer. You know, she has to. Dis- she, it's always about the sex industry. It's always about this kind of life. And there was people who were saying, you know, she just kind of hung around people who, I guess, obviously in that industry, if you get you come across some seedy people, yeah. some bad people. You know what I mean? Um. So who knows what side it could have been on? But there's for because of something like this, because there's so many elements at play. That's what makes this one harder. To yes, kind of sure. explain because yeah. there's so many things that it could so have possibility. been. But the fact that we haven't found their body in 30 years makes me lean more towards the mafia, too, because they're good at hiding bodies. Really? Yeah. Whereas, you know, a stalker or something, you're in New York City, so there's not that many places. It's not like you're out in the country in the desert or something where you can hide a body. Like, I don't think a stalker or someone else would have been able to hide. I think her body would have turned up by now. They dropped her in the river, dude. Put yeah. some cinder blocks on yeah, her feet and put her down there. in the... I can't see a stalker even uh, having a car in the city to do that. Like, you know what I mean? True. Like, who knows? I'm making a lot of assumptions, but but the more we talk about it, the more I'm leaning towards the mafia thing. So here's the crazy thing, too. 2006, when they wanted to reinvestigate this thing, uh, Mark was still living in that home. And the son, I think, had maybe grown up and now has moved out or or maybe... I don't know if he still lived there as well, but... 
when they wanted to go back in to see if they can't do more forensic tests, go down to the basement, he said no. Oh, that. But here's the thing. He said he's just, he can't keep doing this. Like, how often is he going to keep doing this? He needs to live his life and he needs to keep moving on. And and that he's just kind of annoyed that this is, here we go again. We're going to do this. Like, everything's. 10 years later. Like, yeah. So there, there you go. I threw that little thing in at the very that, end. I wanted to see see how that changes that like. now, right? But he was cleared. Like that's the thing. Like what is no? Yeah, what does cleared it mean? mean? I don't know. I don't know. Does it just mean he passed the lie detector test? Does it mean his alibi checked out? Yeah. Because he was at home with well, his he, son. Is his alibi well, an 11-year-old boy? Like, no, sorry. I should have told you this. Okay, so here's another piece. Oh, at, what, <laughs> so they took he took his son somewhere to get stuff for school, school supplies and school clothes during that time while she was gone. So she went to make the phone call and like maybe a half hour later, him and the son went off to go do this stuff. And, people, and they came back later in the day and she hadn't come back. So he assumed she went and maybe went back to work, like went to okay. work earlier. So he kept the son there. But did people actually see him out? There's about? receipts. He has the receipts for it. I receipts don't mean shit to me. The son also said that they went. He's eleven year old boy. Said that yeah, we both went there. Mm. And I believe. But he could have paid someone to kidnap her. Da. He could have paid someone else, and then he killed her and there kept her in the basement or something. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Oh man, that's a strange story. Yeah, Susan Walsh. Um. I don't even know. Yeah, we'll have to see. Well, creepers, whatever you think, let us know what you think in terms of what happened to this in this story. Uh, again, there's not much, too much info. There's a lot of info in terms of her life dancing and doing all right, that stuff. But, not the actual but in terms of what happens, yeah, there's again, like I said, there were sightings. People insist having seen her here and there throughout, you know, over the years. Oh yeah, we didn't even talk but, about that. All the people that think they saw her in Manhattan. But the, or you're talking about, you know, a lot of it is our street people. Right. So it's kind of like not that they're they're gonna lie or or you right. shouldn't just think that they're liars just because of that they're street people, but it's also like you know There's you've been known yes and drug use and yes pe- drug yes. use and and after a while Their people start to kind of look the same right yes. like this person looked like three girls I saw over the past five years right you know so. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's definitely a baffling case. And that's the thing that sucks is there's so many parts, so many influencing parts that it could have gone anywhere. It's like dropping somebody off at Grand Central Station, tell them to pick a train and go and then us get there and say, okay, where are they go? Right. There's so many different options. So yeah. until more stuff comes out or until they find more evidence of something else in the future here, uh, I feel like this is going to be one that is going to stay unsolved. It's it crazy. It seems like it. Yeah. I feel like if she hasn't turned up by now. So, there you go. The dis- the strange disappearance of Susan Walsh. Wowzers. Yes. Quite a story. All right, Creepers, thanks so much for listening to our episode of How Bizarre, The Strange Disappearance of Susan Walsh. We appreciate you listening. Um, if you haven't already and you're inclined to do so, go over and check out our Patreon, the Creeper Clubhouse over at Patreon. Patreon.com slash History Creeps. There are uh, series that are exclusive to just the the creeper clubhouse so if you're interested in checking them out check them out Uh, if not it's all good too we appreciate the fact that you guys listen and support our show Aaron anything else you want to say before we head out of the creeper clubhouse I'm about to run through the door it's like an hour until kickoff so go Bills is all I have to say I hope that when this because obviously when this goes up it's after the I'm scared I'm scared about that I don't want to I hope so we'll see we'll see we'll see (laughs) All right, guys, again, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate all your support. Uh, As always, when the world throws something at you that seems just a bit bizarre, you say, How bizarre.
Go Bills.